You're listening to SheBake, a podcast for and about women in Australian beekeeping. Find us on Instagram, she underscore beak, that's S-H-E underscore B-E-E-K, and on Facebook, SheBeak. Hey, Joe here. Today I'm speaking with Annalise Austin. Now, Annalise is a PhD candidate at Southern Cross University, research assistant at Bees for Sustainable Livelihoods, and I'm going to be speaking to her about her article, Barriers to Women's Participation in Beekeeping in Papua New Guinea. If you want to have a look at their website, we will pop it up on our socials. Uh, But on Facebook, if you just do a search on Bees for Sustainable Livelihoods, you'll be able to find out a whole lot more information about their research project. Hope you enjoy. So, look, welcome to SheBeak, Annalise. Uh, We uh, had a look at your um, article that's been published in regards to barriers to women's participation in beekeeping in Papua New Guinea, and we were just really interested to have a chat to you just about, um, you know, your your article and your experiences and, um, yeah, just in general um, about um, whatever else you'd like to chat with us about as well. Yeah, excellent. So, so Annalise, are you a beekeeper yourself? Um, I'm becoming a beekeeper, I suppose. Um, for the last, yeah, I've been involved in the project for almost three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't own my own hives. I live in a duplex in Palm Beach at the moment. Mm-hmm. So um, I just have really been getting experience with my colleague um, managing his apiary. So I'm, I am excited to uh, actually be able to manage my own bees very shortly <laughs> oh fantastic that yeah would, that would be great so your um article um that you've written with um cooper nat shooting am i saying that correctly nat y- shooting yes yeah. yeah oh cooper shooting dr cooper shooting yeah dr. cooper shooting and jordana hinton and david john lloyd yes yeah so do you want to tell us a bit about that project yeah, um, so I am currently um, studying, doing my PhD research um, on an extension, I suppose, from uh, the study on the barriers to women's participation. Mm-hmm. Um, but more broadly, we're working on a beekeeping project at the moment in Papua New Guinea and Fiji, and it's to really look at the honeybee sectors in the Pacific mm-hmm. and to really help people to become more productive um, profitable, but also more empowered beekeeper, beekeepers, just generally speaking. So um, it's a research and development project in comparison to aid and development. So I suppose a big part of it is really getting beekeepers um, involved and empowered through that research project, um, which is it's quite an amazing thing to be a, be a part of and to see people, you know, almost direct their own journey to mm-hmm. some extent, you can, you know, plant a bit of a seed and, and see what develops from it. So it, it's an exciting project um, for me because I, I sort of really support that way of learning. And for the women in Papua New Guinea, um, a lot of the time they can just be excluded from uh, certain activities merely because they are male-dominated or people in positions of power are male necessarily doesn't have much to do 
um, with women's abilities. So it's really about supporting women uh, to become more involved in the sector, but that's within a larger project that's really, you know, looking to improve technical skills for beekeepers in the Pacific, um, business management skills, understanding floral resources, honeybee nutrition, um, and also doing quite a lot of research on honeybee pests and diseases, namely varroa um, mitigation. So, yeah. And so you've been obviously um, travelling back and forth to Papua New Guinea and Fiji while you've been doing these projects? Yeah, I've been to PNG. I have not been to Fiji. I'm kind of new on the Fiji side of things at the moment, yeah. sort yeah. of with COVID um, and all the changes going online. There's been some benefits from that in terms of a bit more cross-pollination, I suppose, um, with our project. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I've been travelling to Papua New Guinea, um, which has just been incredible, uh, absolutely amazing experience. Fantastic. And um, obviously everything's been... You know, everything's been quite disrupted by COVID this year and a lot of things have been put on hold, most most you know, importantly, travel. So that's not been happening. Um, how sort of linked in, I mean, obviously with the education up there that um, you're doing with the women, um, how, what's, uh, sorry, in your, in your article it's obviously also talking about cost and availability of resources and things like that. How is that sort of set up um, in Papua New Guinea and what are you finding is the best way for them to be able to access the resources that they need when they have those restrictions around, you know, as you said, ownership and things like that? And can you explain a bit more about that? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think, you know, cost is a pretty prohibitive factor, I think, for most yeah. beekeepers, isn't it? Absolutely, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you, you have big dreams and, and you realise, you know, boxes, frames, wax, um, PPE and the list goes on and I think as you expand your apiary that list seems to get bigger and yes. bigger and bigger. <laughs> the more you buy the more you need. That's exactly right. <laughs> on, on, um, on, on. Yeah. So I mean you know I think all, all of us as beekeepers can empathize with that. Mm. In Papua New Guinea you have extra you have a lot of logistical challenges I suppose sort of infrastructure issues so mm -hmm. markets aren't as developed it isn't as easy there's not a um, I suppose there's a wide variety of input suppliers as we have mm -hmm. in Garoka. Yeah. Um, so I suppose prices are, uh, are on the higher end from that factor. There's also not a lot of uh, locally available treated timber. Um, and as you know, you know, if you don't use treated timber uh, in your hives, they break down a lot quicker and you're kind of forced to replace those inputs more frequently particularly in png where we have a nice long humid uh wet season in the highlands yeah. um yeah. and so we see that degradation kind of much, a much lot. more quickly so yeah having to replace equipment more quickly. that's it um there isn't you know to be honest there is no silver wand that we can just wave and you know there have been beekeeping for development programs previously where a big part of it is just giving out free hives mm -hmm. and unfortunately that doesn't equate to success and as a matter of fact there's been circumstances around the world where that has really put people at a disadvantage um, in the long term by giving them a loan and giving them beekeeping equipment but not following through with the support mm -hmm. so you know my colleague Dr Cooper Shooten did quite an incredible study supported by ACR and Southern Cross Uni and that really looked at um, what factors influence the success of beekeeping for development initiatives 
And the yeah. biggest fact is passion. So at the end of the day, what it comes down to is if people really want to do it, they will find a way to invest. Mm-hmm. It may be small, but that's how we encourage our beekeepers to start um, re- by reinvesting their honey money into their apiary if they wish to grow it. And also mm-hmm. looking at low technology solutions. So, you know, you can build a hive out of mud and sticks and grass. It can be done. And they are profitable hives. I was blown away in Papua New Guinea. Um, it was a top bar hive that I saw. And again, my colleague had just worked on it in a village with some people. So there are definitely, you know, cost is prohibitive, but it, mm-hmm. you can, you know, we like to see the enthusiasm where people go, I'm interested in bees and I, I do want to invest some of my money to make that happen. It's a big indicator of success in the long term. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's you know across the board is is sparking that passion and that interest. Um, it comes in that education and conversation initially. If you can't, as you said, spark that, then it's it's really not going to to move into them. Yeah, wanting to reinvest in that is it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It was interesting that study. I mean, you know, you think oh, floral resources and all these big factors that impact bees, but mm-hmm. you know, for it to really come down to the enthusiasm of of the participants I think that's a it's a poignant reminder for all of us that you know you're going to come across people who are very enthusiastic but might not have the necessary skills and it is sometimes worth investing in those in those people as well and and what do you find are the factors that really spark that interest for say women in Papua New Guinea is it um you know, I know from me, from a personal perspective, I, I love learning about obviously the bees and the way it's so fascinating just even learning the basics of how a hive functions and things like that. Um, I, I would guess, you know, they'd be just as interested in things like that but also moving towards sort of the monetary and the benefits for their community and their family. Is that is that a big factor in sparking their, um, you know, their passion as you said? Um, I think so. I think that um, for the women there, they've seen, you know, the men benefit from beekeeping. Um, yeah, honey, uh, honey's worth, you know, a decent a decent amount in the Eastern Islands province. And unlike all the other fresh produce that people grow, you can store it. So I think women see, you know, the potential that that could work for them. Um, there are a lot of other, you know. A lot of, I can't speak for the women there, you know, every individual would have sort of different motivations, but in, in a broad context, I think beekeeping can be done very close to your homestead. You know, uh, it can be, it really coincides well with other agricultural activities. And I find that, you know, a lot of the women there are looking to do a couple of different things. They know that their security probably comes in, in having some choice. Mm-hmm. So I think bees can work really well in with a house garden or some a lot of the women grow flowers floriculture as well okay yeah so um i mean the produce in the highlands where we work is is second to none it's absolutely beautiful so the honey's beautiful up there too now can i ask too um obviously with any um uh, women beekeepers across the world if you're um, sort of out in the field and you're working solo that can you know basically bring about challenges in um, you know safety around your work keeping yourself safe for a number of different 
reasons that we have actually spoken about in our podcast before. Um, how does that sort of work up in, in Papua New Guinea in regards to if, if you're having to sort of work solo out in the field and, and around safety? Um, for the majority of women, they will keep their hives in their village quite close mm-hmm. to their, their house. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that is a safe, safer um, place for them. They're not travelling sort of long distances in that, re- mm-hmm. in that respect. Um, most of the women in Papua New Guinea are acutely aware of their personal safety. They don't go out at night. They don't go out alone. Um, mm. So if a woman felt like she was in any danger travelling to her apiary, she would take either a, a male head of house or another woman with her at least. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's, there's an understanding and, and an awareness of, of the women kind of what they need to do to keep themselves um, safe. But it is like, you know, most of the time they seem to be with a family member. As a matter of fact, I'd say probably two. So, which is great. Like they get the kids in there as well. So there usually is someone, someone around. And have you noticed any sort of kickback at all from, you know, being a mainly male dominated area uh, when you've sort of been involved up there and asking questions and involved in the actual process? Are you noticing anything like that? Um, really gone to great lengths to develop a lot of relationships with the men. You know, I, I would say that a big part of my job, um, I, I represent the women, but you work with the men to do that. Yes. So, yeah. um, you know, we've really tried to mitigate that. My colleague's been up in PNG now for, I think, over five years building these relationships so that this project would be possible. Um, and he speaks the language and he has lots of friends and connections there now. So, you know, not not directly we haven't. I imagine that mm. it might make some men a little uncomfortable, but I think the important thing is that, you know, equity be equity, sorry, benefits men too. And um, having women have access to the training, in particular quality extension and support through women's groups and associations, that will improve um you know, the situation for the whole sector as well. So I think the men do understand that there is, this sector could be very strong, could, you know, sort of support livelihoods in the way that coffee does in the, in the mm-hmm. Eastern Islands province. Um, yeah, yeah. But that does require kind of getting everyone involved and on the same page in regards to management. So, you know, and we don't have, there's not the benefit here, you know, we have the DPI and Biosecurity Queensland kind of, you know, keeping track of us and, and monitoring our highs and have to register, you know, that's mm-hmm. not the situation there. So it does take outreach and, and getting that knowledge out to individuals to ensure that the sector stays strong and particularly, um, you know, can overcome any challenges with, with honeybee pests and diseases and that knowledge and support required to, to be effective in treating those. So you're saying that they don't have a, a similar sort of setup where they're they're really monitored up there. So it's um it's... not particularly like the women who mm. are participating. There isn't many. I think that it's been perceived to be a male activity for a long time mm-hmm. by the women too. And so, um, but the the women who participate now, like they, it, it looks different for many of them. You know, some of them are, are young. Um, there's one beekeeping training, Agatha. She's quite 
young and and she has a really broad interest in ag, but she loves bees. And then there's some women who, um, who are, who are a bit older, but they've you know they've really aligned their lives around beekeeping and growing their apiary. They can see that they're you know it's a lot less labor contribution to say you know growing sweet potato and having to transport that to market and sell it to yeah to having honey um and another thing in the province is a lot of the extension is done through the processes so they actually come out at harvest time and take the boxes and they'll take them back to their factories and spin them um for some of the women some women um, process and harvest themselves so right. they, you know, they have that integration with the broader value chain as well. It's not kind of individual smallholders. And so there's male extension agents and, yeah, they seem to, for the whole, accept that the women, like, love it and, and are pretty good at it, really. And um, I was reading in the article, you know, just basically overall how much it just increases people's sense of, um, well, everything really, financial security, improved family relationships and dynamics. Um, you were talking about that over in Romania and, um, you know, basically overall, as you said before, it, it gives so many benefits back to the community as a whole that, um, yeah, it's, um, and I think that's really the case anywhere. But, you know, to actually see that in action, and to see that the benefits are coming through to the whole community, um, I guess just makes it that, you know, bit bit more worthwhile in what you're putting in place up there as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think for me it's there have been quite, quite a lot of research about sort of gender inclusivity and beekeeping and beekeeping development, um, but, I, you know, there's a lot of like, oh, here's the benefits, but there's very little on on how we, uh, I suppose, make translate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How that happens, yeah. you know, and I think that for me, that's you know, it's just a big question mark, and um, which I hope to answer over the next sort of few years. But I feel like generally, just gender in beekeeping is kind of just under underreported and has been underfocused mm. on in terms of actual, you know, data driven research which can influence policy and, um, you know, that might not apply so much to here in, here, us here in Australia, but certainly for women overseas, um, you know, I think it applies, to be honest. I think that understanding different perspectives in any agricultural activity, um, you know, is beneficial to any sector. So, um, uh, you know, what I really want to do in the next couple of years is quite a large global survey of women beekeepers and to try and ascertain some of those attitudes. What do women perceive makes them successful? Um, you know, and is that different around the world? I think that would be very interesting. That would be a really interesting way, yeah, to, to, to go forward. I, yeah, I think if you'd, um, I, I'd be interested to sort of see how that sort of differs across um, the different areas of the world, and I imagine it would be quite similar in many areas of the world. But... Um, yeah, so that's how that's progressing with you. So that's the direction that you're heading in with this research at the moment. Is that your plan? Yeah, yeah, that'll be um, sort of one part of my PhD. Um, the other part yeah. is developing a mentorship framework in Papua New Guinea for women that it just doesn't require any inputs. It's sort of a participatory agreement between two parties um, and, and that's really to overcome a lot of cultural barriers between 
what relationships are appropriate. So it would just mean women choose the relationship and they choose the terms of mentorship as well. Um, right. So they might say, you know, I'll give you an hour of mentorship in your apiary, but you come to my apiary and help me with harvesting or preparing a new site for an hour rather than any money changing hands. So I think that would be beneficial for women in a village as well. So is this a part, like a pilot program you want yeah, to introduce this, as part of your yeah, research to see how Yeah, this will be introduced as part of the, the oh, research. Um, fantastic. Yeah, yep, so yep. Um, and then in addition, just capacity building across the value chain. So with trainers, um, with Eastern Highlands Province Women's Beekeeping Association, which is very small. Yeah. So just working with um, them to what they really want to do and where they see their vision. Um, right. And then... A, We'll be trialling a few different hive solutions. There's been a lot of the research overseas kind of is a lot of men saying that the reason women don't do beekeeping is because of the weight of hive boxes. And um, I haven't personally, I mean, they're heavy, but I've certainly seen women lift lots of heavy things before (laughs) for myself. So I think what needs to be done is that that needs to not be an excuse and to do that we need to investigate sort of some different hive technologies. So I'll be looking into um, shallow bee boxes and ideal frames um, and getting a few women in PNG just to try that alongside their standard equipment to see if it is worth introducing or if there is a significant difference for them. But um, I think for most of the women there, like weight, weight isn't that much of a significant issue. But um, it is something that would be interesting. I think it could have applications in other countries, uh, particularly maybe in Africa where there's, you know, some pretty strong gender roles aligned uh, with traditional beekeeping practices as well. So it might help. I mean, absolutely a a box can be very heavy, but I think it can be sort of that that repetitive nature of it too. Exactly. And accessibility, Mm. again, it's not just about women like, um, you know, as you get older, like I've thought a couple of times, like, oh, I'll get older and this will become difficult. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my mentor, um, Associate Professor David Lloyd, it's, you know, watching him handle hives and there becomes physical challenges. So I think any way that we make, can make beekeeping more accessible for anyone of any ability, physical ability, I think that, you know, that's always going to be positive. Um, yeah, so Absolutely. might not apply. Yeah. It's more of I think I kind of consider it, Joe, like eliminating that as a as an excuse. Yes, more. yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. eliminating it altogether. Yeah. So if yeah, if that's what's hindering people from from being involved. What can you do exactly? To that? Yeah, um, yeah. And then yeah. the other you know sort of area which I'm really passionate about is value added products. So income diversification of um, beekeepers income really and just looking at mm-hmm. yeah particularly supporting the women to just have as much knowledge about the use of honey and beeswax and the benefits of those products and um and how to incorporate them and sell them and market them as well so it's really it's the, the whole it's the whole package that you're looking at it's, it's from start to end products it's from yeah management right through to you know educating them about those things as you just said Fiji Beekeepers Association has um, really you know decided to kind of put equity at the forefront of, of what they're doing and so they've um, 
added six positions for women in their association actually just right yeah yeah very conscious choice so they're working in a number of areas um mentorship running some value-added product workshops there i think early in the new year um through a local organization which is great uh so a lot of movement but i've just been you know i do the stalk on facebook just to see what everyone's doing at the moment and some of the um, market products that they are being produced in Fiji are incredible, high quality. They they look beautiful. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they compete with with anything that's being produced here. So, yeah, I'm really excited to get over and meet these women because I think, um, yeah, they're just doing incredible things. It would be great to see that more women consider beekeeping, um, you know, as part of their livelihood activities. And and if if um any of our listeners listeners are interested in finding out a bit more or interested in ways that they can support you know what what you guys are, are doing through your research what's the best way to sort of look that up or get more information um, yeah so we have a facebook page bees for sustainable livelihoods um and that's basically mm-hmm. where we post you know all of our updates all of our research um and, and what's happening in country and, and different things as well. Um, the Australian Centre for International Agricultural Research, ACR, support our project, um, but they also support several other um, ag projects throughout the Pacific that have gender as well. So giving them a like or a follow on Facebook you'll, um, is also a good one. We kind of do some updates through them as well. Um, we will have a website. It's just uh, still in development and that will probably be like the – the main portal for all of our resources, which people will be able to access as well. So, um, yeah, anything that any research we do, really. Right. Well, we'll, we'll also pop that up on the Shebeek, um socials once we've got this podcast. Oh, that'd be up. great. So that people can yeah link that through. So, what do you think about Australian women in beekeeping? How are you? Have you have you looked at have you, any comparisons there? And I mean, obviously, we we also come from a traditionally male uh, dominated area. Like it still is, um, and you're you're obviously moving into planning on moving into that yourself as well in an Australian context. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I I don't. What I will say about um, what I have been not shocked, but what I'm very happy about is that there are a lot of strong female role models in beekeeping in Australia. You know, like everywhere I turn, I, I just they're just inspiring women, and I that for me being newer to beekeeping, um, I mean, it's just incredible, and it, it does make you more enthusiastic, and it, it drives you to get knowledge. So that. I'll, I will start by saying that, like the women who are in the sector are incredible. Um, yeah, you yeah. know yourself, Corinne Jordan. I follow her work; she's amazing. She um, helps me out with some technical <laughs> advice on with the women in PNG occasionally, and um, you know Natasha Robig from Be All Natural and Jim Boomba is incredible as well. And mm-hmm. um, you know her enterprise. You know when I show women examples of businesses that's the kind of family business you you show you know where someone starts something small and yeah. an idea so I think there's a lot of incredible women I think like ag in more broadly in agriculture there is to some extent I suppose that that women seem to still be finding their their place at the table the decision making table mm-hmm. you know 
not just yeah. the dinner table, yeah. I guess. Um, and and that that's that's difficult, and it it's difficult for one thing because there's no one size fits all solution across ag that agriculture that's going to make that better. Um, Mm-hmm. But I think for us as beekeepers, you know, women are really, from what I've experienced so far in, in my short career, women are very powerful when women are together. You know, we yes. might have differences, we, we might see things differently or manage our bees slightly differently. But at the end of the day, if, you know, what our group shows, the Australian Women in Beekeeping group shows, is, is the environment you can foster when people choose to be positive and choose to support. And I think that's powerful in terms of generating that energy for the next generation of, you know, young leaders to sort of emerge and and really just integrate into the broader beekeeping sector. It won't be a question. You know, these people will be, um, these young women will be highly skilled. They'll be highly supported by by many others and they'll be wanted in their jobs. Um, So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a hard one. You know, it it really is. I, my, I think it's just about working hard for me. I, I certainly won't be told mm. <laughs> that I can't can't do it or shouldn't do it because I'm a woman. And I can say that positively because I, there are so many role models in that in this sector. And on that absolutely perfectly put uh, comment, I think um, I just want to thank you for joining us. Um, I totally agree with all your sentiments there. I think that the um, Australian Women in Beekeeping group in particular is a wonderful support um, for, you know, beginner beekeepers right up through to commercial beekeepers uh, and it's it's so lovely to see that support. Um, you, 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 really, you can feel it. You can feel that yeah. support whenever you're involved with any of the forums and, and it just makes such a huge difference to your confidence and your ability to, uh, you know, go forward with whatever direction you want to head yeah. in with your beekeeping. Definitely. And it's, it's, it's a bit of everyone's, you know. We all get a stake in that environment and I think that's empowering as mm. well. You know, we all, we all choose to make that what it is, obviously, with the great help of moderators at times I'm sure but um <laughs> you know I think yeah. predominantly most most of the women I see on there are, are pretty positive and and you know do their best to sort of um consider other people's perspectives as well I think that's a big thing <laughs> on the online world it sure is. it sure is yeah absolutely well thank you so much for joining us Annalise really appreciate your time and uh yeah all the very best. We'll look forward with uh, a huge amount of interest in the, you know, whatever continues to come out of your research. Thank you very much, Jo. It was, yeah, lovely speaking to you today. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to um, hopefully meeting all in person one day. You've been listening to SheBeak, a podcast for and about women in Australian beekeeping. Find us on Instagram, that's she underscore beak, S-H-E underscore B-E-E-K, and on Facebook, she beak. Thanks for listening.